0: Alright, welcome everybody. This is Derek. I'm joined by Rich and along with Mike O'Connor, our colleague over at the Athletic for this season preview edition of the Sixers beat. How you doing?
1: Doing great. Feeling good, good doing, man. Ready to get it going. This
0: is awkward. We didn't know when a third person should have should have should have <laughs> chimed in there. It was it was different. We'll have to get used to this. Um You know the 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 highlight of the week, obviously that Shake Milton one on one performance the other day. Um <laughs> Mike, you missed this, and this is probably the most we'll see out of Shake Milton in a long, long time. But if that was any indication, he should be an A-plus cheerleader off the bench when something good happens because he was fired up after winning one-on-one over Ben Simmons and Robert Covington. But that's about the, all we'll spend. Go ahead. I'm sorry.
2: I, the highlight of yesterday's practice, and it was one of the funniest things I've seen in a, in a Sixers practice. They were, uh, they were scrimmaging at the end. And they were working the starters. It was I think it was the starters from last year. Fultz wasn't in. They were working on press break and all the you know, the backups, which is like T J and Shamit and Mescala and Amir were you know, they were pressing them and it was like a live scrimmage situation. they Are talking uh, about the eight second trapped, call. They trapped them trying to get an eight second call and the refs did not call it. It was probably pretty close. I wasn't keeping track. And then Embiid got a like a an easy dunk where he like literally tore the rim down on the other end of the floor. And TJ ran over to one of the poor refs who they just bring in to rep their scrimmages. And he goes,
0: what are you counting by? Mississippis? He was so mad. <laughs> he was, I mean, that was like a legitimate pissed off. Like TJ was annoyed. He thought, he thought they deserved that, that violation. Uh, they did not get it.
1: It was great. TJ though. He doesn't have an off switch, man. Like, no. Everything everything he does in a game is completely real. Like, I'll never forget last year at training camp, like, and this was the first time we were all like, I don't know if TJ's going to have a role this year, what is he going to be on his team, and you just walk into training camp the first day, and he's diving on the floor, cursing out the refs, like, screaming, like, it, it's just unbelievable. He, he doesn't have an off switch. No.
0: But we have a season to preview, so we will not spend too much time on a completely meaningless practice, which I don't think we left there until about 7 o'clock at night, after 7 o'clock at night, because they are trying to adjust to, um, a trust, adjust to their travel schedule. All right. I think the, what, the over-under, Bovada set 53.5. Real quick, let's just go whether or not you're taking the over or the under on that one.
1: Mike, you lead off. All right. Uh. I'm gonna go over. Um, I just think like, and Rich and I were talking about this at, before the game the other day. But like Ben and Joe are just too good. They're they're both. I, I think you could make an argument that both are top 15 players in the league this year. Um, and I just think that with how dominant Embiid looks in the preseason, like his post game just looks better than it it ever has. And I know you shouldn't overreact to preseason, but some of the stuff he's doing is really really impressive and, and good for him but um yeah I really just think it comes down to those two guys just being unbelievably ridiculously good and as long as they stay healthy they win somewhere in the mid 50s
2: yeah I would go slight over as well but but I do think 50 what is it 53 and a half at Bovada now? Yep. that's it's a decent number I I would expect the number to be in the 50s sort of in between I don't know 51 and 57. Um, but they – like, look, they they were unlucky last year, first off. fifty four and a half was their uh, expected wins per cleaning the glass, so that wasn't a fluke. I, I cannot emphasize how sick I am of hearing about Ersan Ilyasova and Marco Bellinelli. <laughs> I'm sick of it. Yeah. I, yeah, they were really good in their roles last year, and the Sixers did. Like, they legitimately smoked everybody with them in the lineup. I get that. But come on, Ben Simmons was driving that train. Like, I think Landry Shamet is going to be just as good as Bellinelli, almost right away. Like, maybe he doesn't make the super ridiculous shots that Marco makes, but he won't miss them, or he won't miss them either. And then the the idea of—I've heard this. I've listened to a lot of you know over under preview content. Just I, I do enjoy that to get ready for the NBA season. The idea of the winning streak being held against them at the end of the year is also insane to me. Like, they had a lopsided schedule last year. It was brutal before January 1st. So they played a lot of bad teams at the end of the year. They didn't have a harder schedule than anybody's. It just, were an easier schedule. It was just lopsided. And at the end of the year, they took advantage of it. So, yeah, I like, look, Chandler out for a few weeks, that's going to hurt. I think the big reason for skepticism or caution is that Fultz in the starting lineup, I think that almost assuredly will have that group take a step back. Although, you know, you're you're also juicing the bench with Reddick, too. So I you know, but but I could see that being, you know, some short term pain, hopefully for long term gain. But like Mike said, Simmons and Embiid are not getting any worse. Embiid outside of his shooting he is – he's looked like a freaking monster. To uh, to steal a line from our friends uh, Sheil and Bo, like he looks like a big, strong, physical man. Like he, he's just <laughs> destroying people. And I think the last thing is people don't understand. That bench was a disaster, disaster at the yep. beginning of last year. Like adding Mike Mascala and Shamit and Chandler is an upgrade over what they had. So I'm going to go slide over – Obviously, Embiid's health is, you know, that that's the big thing here. But to be honest, like, he's looks like he's in the best shape of his career. He had the first actual summer of his career. So I would go, I'm going to say they're going to win 56 games. I'll go slightly over.
0: Yeah, I, I would go over too. It's tough sometimes because a lot when you get caught in that one or two or three game range, a lot of that can come down to situational. Um, like, what are they playing for at the end of the season? What's their health like? Who are they resting? Who do they really care about getting right to the playoffs. And a couple of wins here or there could swing in either direction. But I think they're a better team than the one that started last year. I think they'll be a better team than the one that finished last year. Maybe not in terms of going on a 16-game winning streak. But like you said, holding that against them, if you would have just sprinkled those 16 games in throughout the season, nobody – and, you know, they would have won those same games against those same opponents. Nobody would look at that, you know, side-eyed. Like, nobody would care. It's just that they all came – were bunched up at the end – you know, you were looking at that team in mid-January. They had the toughest schedule in the NBA up to that point. And they were had a, an above 500 record. And you said, man, they, they really have a chance to go on a run. So it was completely predictable what they did. It was, uh, you know, representative of their talent level and the way they played basketball. I agree with you. It shouldn't be hold, held against them. Um, you know, I think if you're going to take the pessimistic view, Markell in the starting lineup is probably where you're going to go to right away. Because it is a major change, it is a ma- major change to something that worked very well for the team last year, and there's a lot of uncertainty around Mark Hill Fultz. But I think my argument against that, and I agree, like it, there could be a lot of struggles for Fultz. There could be a little bit of concern that they're breaking up that lineup. Although it sounds like Brett is increasingly convinced and sure that he's going to start JJ Redick in the second half of games. So we're only we're only like like Brett will say we're only talking about a couple minutes a game here. But it's it's who Markel is taking those minutes away from. Like, we're talking about you know, obviously TJ McConnell and we all love T J but he has his deficiencies as well. You're talking about Timothy luawu Cabarot and like just absolute garbage who wasn't ready to play last season. Like you're not you're not he's not replacing productive minutes. It's not like anybody was, you know, closing out hard on on Tim Cabs out there on the perimeter and spacing the floor. Like that wasn't that wasn't happening last year. Tim so <laughs> That was his Twitter, right? Or maybe his Instagram. I forget what it was. But regardless, nobody was closing out on him, and he wasn't generating any space anyway. So, yeah, there's going to be a lot of growing pains. I do think that's going to be the case. I think they can overcome that. Uh, you know, I think having Embiid and Simmons look like they do, and especially Embiid. Like you guys said, his post game so far has been a revelation. And you're only, you know, four games into a preseason, you know, two against the Mavs and one against the, uh, Melbourne United. So you don't want to read too much into it. but the mentality. And being in like Rich said, career best fitness, I think they're gonna be a better team. I think their bench is pretty drastically upgraded. You know, even if you consider Markell a, a bench player because he's gonna be coming off the bench in the second half. But adding him with um you know, with Wilson Chandler when he comes back and it sounds like he's still a few weeks away, with Muscala, with with Shamit who I'm increasingly confident in, I think it's a better bench. I do think um Marco Bellinelli and Urson over are overrated because they were just something and they had nothing before but they're not all i don't think they're nearly as difficult to replace as some local analysts have made them out to be and even some national ones so i'm I'm going to go with over uh, i think it's a pretty comfortable over but like i said you, it can start getting a little bit hairy in there when you start um you know when you start taking circumstance into there too and also by the way you have four games not against lebron james this year too and those should be pretty easy wins and i think the sixers ended up splitting Against the Cavs last year, but those should be those should be much easier.
2: One thing to to take into account with Fultz, too, that big winning streak he was playing for them last year, and you know while you know his on off numbers were good, but I don't think that was necessarily representative of how effective he was. You know, regardless of any skepticism I have about him this year, he's going to be better this year. He, he legitimately couldn't shoot the ball outside of ten feet last year. And he has that ability right
0: now. Just as important, and, he wouldn't shoot the ball outside of 10 feet.
2: Yeah. So th- that's a big deal. And I know, you know, he's they're going to increase his minutes, so it's it's going to be a little bit different of a role. But, uh, you know, I, I do think that needs to be taken into account. And then the other thing, too, is regardless of Markel, the defense is going to be really good this year. It's just uh, They're going to catch teams on back-to-backs and – these crappy Eastern Conference teams, like just think of the Cavs. Who the hell on the Cavs is, is scoring against this team? I, I just think there's going to be plenty of nights like that. I
0: mean, look, to make- Tristan Thompson wants to remind you that the East still runs through Cleveland until somebody <laughs> takes it. So you got to respect them, Rich. You got to respect yeah.
2: them. And I, I think the East, the. Uh, you know, I think Milwaukee has a chance to be pretty good now that they have a real coach, and they seem to understand that spreading the floor around Giannis <laughs> is pretty good. They they have a chance to be good. But once you get past four, maybe five, if you include Indiana, like the East sucks after that. So yeah. just a lot of easy wins again.
0: And who knows what will ha- happen with uh, Washington. Like they could end up playing well, or they could end up blowing up their team, so there could be some more easy games to be had there. If they reach fifty four more wins if the season is a success, what has to happen in your mind
1: well uh, not not
0: counting injuries throw injuries
1: out yeah okay I was gonna say it's that's uh, the obvious one um but I would say like the the defense has to be as dominant as you as you guys are uh outlining right now i think I think that's probably the biggest thing, like there is definitely some uncertainty there like Markell is a question mark on defense. I know a lot of people have said they're really encouraged about his preseason. I don't know. Like, I I think on the ball it's been pretty good. Defending pick and roll is pretty good. But he is super spaced out off the ball. And he does some – he just messes up some really fundamental stuff. Like, he can't stay with shooters running through off-ball screens. Like, he doesn't stay attached. Um, His footwork is pretty bad getting through those screens. Like, I just – I worry about him – replacing someone like Reddick, who, you know, Reddick obviously isn't a great on-ball defender, but he nails his switches and he knows when to, you know, hit his rotations and stuff like that. Markell is not doing that right now. Um, and that that's going to be a challenge. But, you know, I think th- this team could easily be the second best defense in the league behind Boston. Um, and I think if that's the case, that is probably the number one thing I would point to and say, like, yeah, they have a really good chance of winning 54 or more games if they do that.
2: Totally agree with the off-ball stuff. When you compare Markell making a simple off-ball switch to Reddick, it's night and day. Reddick makes it so much cleaner. It's, it's so much easier. He then gets around the screen. God, Markell let, uh, Dennis Smith get, like, wide open a couple of times in those Chinese games. So I definitely agree with you there. I, you know, I, I just think, to, to answer your question, Derek, like, just nothing drastic has to go wrong. I, I, the thing is, I think Markel cannot have a great year, and they can still hit the over because Ben and Joe are so good. But what you're looking for, and this is why it's almost – it's almost beside the point to be talking about the over-under is that you'd rather win 52 games and have Markel claiming a real role and like playing like really effective basketball going into the playoffs than 56 and that not being the case because he would theoretically give them an added dimension and that's part of their future. So that's why they're doing it. But like it's hard. It's just the defense has to still be good, but, if they're healthy, why the hell wouldn't it be good? These guys are gigantic, and Embiid is a monster back there. And not all teams like Boston, both offensively and defensively, it, You know, there's been some speculation. Did they give other teams a blueprint on how to play the Sixers? Their personnel is really good. Yep, They can switch everything on defense, and they have Al Horford who can credibly defend Embiid. We'll see if that's the case this year. But can credibly play Embiid and, and play center defensively, you know, and, and that gives them, you know, five-out lineups. But, yeah, I just think in general, like, as long as the defense stays at the level that we're accustomed to, this is going to be a team that wins in the 50s.
0: No, and I, I agree. I think that was a great point. Um, 52 wins most years gets you the, the three-seed-ish, somewhere in that range. And I would guess this year it's probably going to get you the three-seed, too. I think Boston and Toronto – Barring health will 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 probably eclipse that. So the goal isn't to win 56 games instead of 52. I, I think that's a, a pretty important point to make. You know, I guess I would say looking at the question slightly differently because the over-under is less interesting to me. If they are going to get to the NBA Finals, I think what has to happen is Joel Embiid has to become much better at reading the defense both in terms of setting up his teammates and reading the double team and taking good shots. I think the only one that really stops Joel Embiid right now is, is Joel Embiid. Uh, and that's not just settling for three-pointers. Um, that's you know some of the drives that he can have, some of the double teams that he can attack uh, where he doesn't need to, some of the, the cutters and the passes that he misses, some of the reposts that he misses, um, some of the dribbling out that he doesn't do and he makes his life more difficult. If he really becomes elite at reading what the defense is giving him, reading where the help is coming from, and having the mentality that he doesn't have to attack every time. You know, I still think at times, and I don't I don't think Joel is selfish, but I think sometimes he has to, he's still in that mindset where, well, I've only got so much time on the court or I have to prove myself in this, that he becomes a little too aggressive offensively. And I think if he would be a little more patient, I think he could score easier. And cut down on his turnovers. And I think that if if you're going to tell me one thing's going to happen, where they're this is going to make it so Boston just simply can't match up for them. They can go, get by Boston, get the NBA Finals. I think we're going to focus a lot on Markel because he gives them something that they don't have, and that's true. But I think my focus is going to be on well, who can become a MVP candidate? And I think Joel improving that aspect of his game while also improving his conditioning. Is how you get there. So I think that's kind of where my head would go. Um, but they are all the, the great thing is there's three or four different things that could happen that could really elevate this team and cut, you know, cut cut down on some of that, um, you know, talent gap between Boston and the Sixers.
1: Yeah, it's it, it's interesting when you shift the discussion to the playoffs because so much changes, right? Like I think that this team still has so many aspects to it. That are question marks in the playoffs, especially against Boston. Like, how does Joel defend a five-out lineup? Um, what is Markel in a playoff series? Like, how does he look? Um, and I and Covington as well. Like, you know, how does he respond to, you know, a different environment where it's more one-on-one play on on both ends? How does he respond to that? Um, so there are definitely a lot of questions there. But you know, as we as we kind of make it specifically about Joel, I think so much of it comes down to his conditioning. Like. We've been, you know, just saying how great his, his post game has been in the preseason, but the question is if he's going to be able to pull out those moves, those combo moves, in the fourth quarter of a playoff game against Boston when he's played eight straight minutes and he's had to defend five pick and pops with Horford and he's running all over the place. Is he gonna be able to, you know, make that turnaround pump fake up and under um just as effective as it would have been, you know, if he had just checked into the game? I think so much of it depends on that because As you look at Joel and and his questions defending five out lineups, what it ultimately boils down to is Joel has to be more effective on offense than he is a liability on defense. Like, it's okay if he's a little bit of, if he has some trouble defending, you know, Al Horford in a pick and pop, but he just has to be able to, at the same time, on the other end, completely abuse him on the block. Um, basically, just on offense, he has to make for, make up for whatever he's going to lack on defense. And like I said, I think that all comes down to his conditioning.
2: Mental fatigue is something that I think both Embiid and Simmons suffered from in that series last year. And, and it it goes hand in hand with physical fatigue. But like the playoffs are a different animal. You really, I mean, God, the the amount of energy you have to expend guarding a team that stretches the floor is, like, it's, it's hard. And, yeah, I, I think that Fultz, you did, know, Fultz running Did you running really in the just NBA. miss
0: that Dario Charge opportunity there? Come on, Rich. Sorry, man. What it's, do we pay it's, you it's, for? It's,
2: it's hard to to guard Al Horford. The here, Here's a question for you guys. Are you surprised that when most national pundits are talking about who's going to get to the finals – It's legitimately just Boston and Toronto. Nobody is taking the Sixers serious as a finals contender. And, you know, don't get me wrong. I would pick Boston and Toronto, assuming we get a healthy Kawhi over the Sixers. But, God, with as good as Embiid could be and, as you know, as good as Simmons could be, too, right? There's a world where they could make the finals, and it's not like – so far-fetched that you, you have to acknowledge it at least, right?
0: Yeah, so I guess full dis- disclosure, we just did a uh, um, thing for the Athletic NBA of our predictions, and I predicted Boston in the finals. So I'm I'm among that group that –
2: I would pick them yeah. too, by the way. So,
0: but I think this is too. where Ben Falk's new predict game is relevant to talk about because I think – you know, do I think Boston has the best chance to make the NBA finals? Yeah, but is that a greater than 50-50 chance? Probably not, because you know Toronto's going to have a you know twenty or thirty percent chance. The Sixers are going to have a twenty percent chance. So the difference between the three teams probably isn't as great as it's going to look when everybody ends up picking the Celtics. But I don't know what that means that the Celtics are the over. You know, I I don't think it means the Sixers have no chance. I guess is what I would say.
1: I think, you know, it's funny. I think the discussion would be different if the Sixers had won at least two games in that Boston series, which they easily could have. But, you know, it's, it's obviously hard to make a case that a team that beat the Sixers 4-1 without their two best players is not going to do the same thing again. Um, but it's funny. I, I think that series, which had, you know, a lot of close games and things that could have gone the other way. I think that's really shaped how people are viewing this. Um, and you're right. Like, I think I, I think the, it's obviously an uphill battle for the Sixers because the, big, the biggest reason is that they'll probably be the two or three seed, which means that if they want to get to the finals, they have to be both Toronto and Boston, which is really tough. Like, I could see them, you know, squeaking out one series over one of those teams, but both is, is really, really challenging. So I think that's what dominates it. But I wouldn't put them, like, completely below the, the – the top tier of the east like they're they're absolutely in that conversation
0: yeah and look i mean boston won that series and they're getting a lot of talent back and it would be a real mistake to underrate the threat they are like i think i think they are the favorite i think they're the clear favorite i think they're the clear favorite not only over the sixers but also over the raptors like i think they're the class of the eastern conference right now and you know like i've said i think i said it here i certainly said it on uh, nate duncan's podcast Joel Embiid's going to have to be a top five player to overcome that gap. Like the Sixers are going to have to attack them, not with depth, because I think Boston's going to win that every time, but with a player that Boston just can't match up against. So how much was Joel Embiid's struggles because of conditioning last year in the the playoff series? How much was because of the mask and getting used to that and and coming back from that injury? And how much can he grow with an off off season of conditioning, uh, he, it's why I focus so much on him. He's he's really gonna have to be that guy that Boston just can't has has no answer for.
2: Yeah, Boston's so crazy deep too. I don't you know I, I don't want to underrate their talent because they they're the favorites and they deserve to be because like holy crap their their bench five is just like that would. I think they have threaten for a playoff spot in the East, if that's your starting lineup.
0: Certainly beat uh, a lot of process teams, that's for sure.
2: Yeah. So, you know, we'll, we'll see. The, uh, I enjoyed last night. I was watching, uh, after I got home from that Marathon Sixers practice, I turned on HBO, and LeBron has that show. I think it's called The Shop. And uh, Ben Simmons was talking a little bit about the, uh, the shoot-a-three, you coward crowd, uh, and... Not acknowledging them or whatever, but I, I think it's interesting to me. And this is kind of a little bit off topic. He seems comfortable, like admitting that he won't shoot threes this year. Yeah, he went out of his way a couple times to mention. He's like, "Yeah, I'm not going to shoot threes this year."
0: I, I think he's Which trying. Which he to, he didn't do last year, right? I think he's trying yeah. to not be asked about it all year long. I think that's probably what he's trying to do. And I think some people have misinterpreted that a little bit. Like, I think some people have. Taking that as a sign that he's not working on his three or that he doesn't care about shooting threes, I think he just realizes that he's not like he hasn't made the progress to where he's comfortable doing it yet. My biggest concern is that he didn't look like he had any interest in shooting any jump shots, mid range, fifteen footers, anything. Um and I think that's where I would be disappointed if there's no progress.
2: Look, man, Dorian Finney Smith is a it's a tough guard. I think you gotta <laughs> you gotta let him play against some of the worst teams in the league first.
0: All right, if they don't hit the over under or if the season is not a success what's the most likely culprit
2: injuries
0: besides injuries
2: i uh, fault being a disaster and then continuing to play him but i like that's part of the reason why i think the over is a good bet is that if markell struggles and especially if ben struggles with markell in the starting lineup They'll find a way to toggle the minutes. Like, I don't think they're going to be afraid to go back to Reddick. Although, you know, long-term, that's where that decision becomes interesting because what does that do to Markel psyche, you know, being demoted in that way? But, like, I I don't know. Like, how is the defense getting worse?
0: No, I mean, they should be good.
2: Do you think, like, do you think they're capable of, you know, if – Fultz plays thirty minutes of being like a bottom ten offense. I'm not sure I see that either.
0: No, no. I think if there's if there's one thing that I could see going wrong, and like there are a couple things I could see not going right. Like I could see like they could
2: like they could be bad in close games and hit the under slightly. I could see that.
0: I could I I, I could see Markell not not living up to expectations. I could see Ben not taking the jump that some people expect him to. But th- they're still going to be as good or better than last year. I think if there's going to be a reason they underachieve, I could see the bench. I think the bench is is better, but I could see, you know, Wilson Chandler showing his age. Maybe Landry Shamit isn't quite as ready as we hoped he would be. Uh, I could see something happening to the bench. Maybe Amir Johnson takes a step back because he's get, getting up there in age. Like, I think if there's one thing, and it would take a number of things to go wrong uh, in tandem, but I think if there's one concern, I think it's much more that because and not, not you know, discounting injuries. Because even if, if Simmons or Fultz don't take the step that we hope, I still think they're going to be better than last year's team. Which, which is why I think the over, or at least being a better team, is a pretty comfortable bet.
1: Yeah, I agree, Derek. I think that if it is going to be the under, it's going to have to be due to a lot of different things. Like, you'd have to look at it and say, okay, Markel has not been a very good NBA player, and they're still playing him. Uh, maybe Dario Sarch doesn't shoot the ball as well as he did last year. Maybe Covington has you know his streaks. Maybe Reddick misses like ten games. Like all this stuff has to happen, um, for them to hit the un- hit hit the under. But you know, like I said in the beginning, I just think Ben and Joe are are too good, and that's that's the main thing that's going to keep them above that threshold. It is funny.
2: Last year at this time, what was the the over under was like forty two?
1: Yeah, and, and forty
2: four. And a lot of people were, like, screaming for the under. And please, guess what? Please I do, was one of those people. I was just going to say, like, please
0: do not go back and listen to last year's season preview. Please.
2: I was, like, pounding the drum on, I can't believe a team that has basically never played together is getting this much respect. And, God, one year of, of watching Ben and Joe play together has completely changed my mind on this. And now I'm banging the drum for the over. So, you know, I was wrong last year, so so maybe maybe we're wrong again this year. I don't know, but to me, it just seems like they've graduated to the point where like this is going to be a good team as long as they don't have the complete year from from hell. It's you know their their baseline is at a certain level that is uh that is pretty close to fifty wins.
0: It's so I'm 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 at the Sixers um, franchise index on Basketball Reference. There's not a whole lot of 50s in this list, guys. We're talking about last year. We're talking about 2000, 2001, when Mike was, like, two. Six, thank you. (laughs) And then we're talking about the Doc and Moses team. That's it. That's it. That's all we got. That's all we got. It's almost like...
2: Reddick was asked about the rivalry this year. By the way, he's like, is it feel good to be in the Sixers rivalry, like dating back to the 80s? And he said the same thing you said about Mike there. He was like, well, I think when it was at its peak, I was playing with like clay and like <laughs> banging pots and pans as like a three-year-old. So I'm not sure I know too much about it. Uh, and it's I mean, w- when I heard that, I was like, man, the Sixers have just been terrible for so long.
0: <laughs> yep. And that's why, uh, you know, I saw Spike tweeting about this which means it was probably talked about in the latest Ricky, but that's why so many people are, people were willing to sacrifice good for the chance at great. But that's been, uh, that's been debated once or twice, so we'll move on. Before we do, though, a quick word from our sponsor, DraftKings. Basketball season is finally back, and that means it's time to put your basketball knowledge to the test with one-day fantasy basketball at DraftKings, the fantasy site where one bad day on draft night doesn't have to ruin your entire freaking season. Been there. DraftKings is giving away over $400 million in prizes this season. To put that in perspective, that's more than 10 times what Joel Embiid will earn for the Sixers. No matter what your skill level, there's a contest waiting for you at DraftKings. Drafting your team is simple. Just select 8 players and stay under the $50,000 salary cap. The best part is you get to draft a new team every day without any commitment. There's no better way to turn your love of basketball into cash. To download the app, head on over to DraftKings.com now and use our code Sixers to support the show and play for free with your first deposit. And remember, there will be $400 million in total prizes up for grabs throughout the season. That's code Sixers to play for free with your first deposit. Only at DraftKings. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. All right, over unders. We have a uh, we have a whole bunch of over unders which we'll try to get through pretty quickly. First one, Joel Embiid, twenty three point five points, ten point five rebounds, two point one blocks, and sixty seven point five games played.
1: Give me the under on blocks. That's my hot take. Uh, he had I think two point three his rookie year and like one point five last year. I don't know. I this is I uh, I don't mean for this to be a disparaging take, but. I think the best defense we'll ever see Embiid play was his rookie year. And, like, that's not to say that he wasn't a defensive player of the year candidate last year, but his rookie year, he was one of the most dominant defensive players I've ever seen. And last year, he was just, like, normally great. Like, very, very good, great, but not, you know, like, generationally great like his rookie year. Um, So I'm going to take the under on blocks. The rest... I'm not I'm
0: not sure. See, I think a lot of blocks is very dependent on what's going on around him and what the scheme is. Like he might be under on blocks, and it really – it doesn't mean he's not protecting the rim as well. Uh, like I think right. if you look at his rim protection numbers last year, they were still elite. Um, so I'm not – like he might go – I'd probably take the under on blocks too. I probably wouldn't bet the line if I'm being honest. But 2.1 blocks in today's NBA, like there just aren't many people who do that anymore because it's so perimeter oriented. But I think, I think the points and the rebounds surprised me. Like the rebounds are under last year. He averaged 11 a game last year and points are only like a half a point more per game. And when I look at him play this year, I expect him to beat that over on points pretty easily. And it's not like I expect anyone else to really take a much bigger role. Like, Covington's not going to get a bigger offensive role. Reddick's going to be Redick. Um, might be a little less of a role if he's coming off the bench and playing fewer minutes. Ben Simmons, I think, will be better, but I don't think it's going to be, like, you know, if he was at 16 a game last year, I don't expect him in the 20s this year. So I'm not sure where they're expecting. You know, I, I, think, I think if Embiid's playing 30-plus minutes a night, and at this point, like, he's under no restrictions. And if he's in the kind of shape that he looks like he is, I think the over on the points and the over on the rebounds are pretty easy. I think the bets I would probably just not not bet on, or the blocks I would just not bet on.
2: Mike's point about his rookie year, to me, was a function of he played 31 games, and he played 25 minutes per game, yeah. and his fouls were like crazy. He was fouling the <laughs> crap out of people, but he was just totally like shot out of a cannon. And I think that was a product of, you know, not being able to play for two years. And he was just so excited and he was, you know, he's, he still obviously uh, throws his body around too much like that, uh that play against Melbourne was horrifying. At the end of the half, uh, where he he jumped uh, to block a shot he had no shot at, and almost almost killed a guy. Honestly, if we're if we're being
0: I mean, that that guy here. did leave the game, right? I think he left the game. Yeah, I, I
2: think he was yeah. okay, but he did leave the game. I hope he's he's all right because that that seemed painful for both parties. Uh, and I, I do agree with like you know with what Mike said because it's like when you play sixty three games and you know you get bumped up to 30 minutes a game and you actually have to worry about your fouls, you're not going to be quite as dominant. And that that block number, you know, I've noticed I'm still not all the way there because it's just been four preseason games, but it seems like they have him hanging back by the rim a little more this year. So it's like you might not get 2.1 blocks per game because you play far, far back enough where teams are just pulling mid-range jumpers, which is – you no, know, that's that's a win for your scheme if you have a decent contest on those. Uh, I thought it was interesting. I think it was Glenn Macnow and Marshall Harris on on Twitter. They have a bet on Embiid's point total, and Glenn had the under. M- Marshall took the over on twenty eight and a half points per game for Embiid.
0: Wow, which I think is <laughs>
2: like crazy. That's that's a lot. It's uh, optimistic, but I. I would take the happy medium of the, the over between 23.5 and 28.5. And that's like, man, 28.5, that's like Shaq numbers. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think if I were to look at this, I'd go over on points. That's the one I'm the most confident about. I'd also go over on rebounds, probably under on blocks too. But the, the points are the one, despite the fact that I'm not as – uh Bullish as as Marshall is of the over twenty eight and a half because if he scores twenty nine points per game and plays seventy games a year or seventy games this year, like he's going to be in the top five for MVP voting. Yeah, that's just the way that's going to work. Uh, because the Sixers are going to be good if he plays seventy games too. But yeah, the uh, the points are probably the thing I am most confident about. That's that's going to be an over.
0: So, so these foul numbers from his rookie year. 6.9 personal fouls per 100 possessions as a rookie. That's <laughs> insane. He cut that down to 5.3 last year, which is still really not great. Um, but he uh, he's at least headed in the right direction. 4.7 blocks per 100 down to 2.8. So certainly cut down on the blocks. To be honest, watching it, I thought the biggest takeaway was that the perimeter. Like I, As a rookie, he moved his feet on the perimeter Better than any 7'2", 280-pound guy had any right to do. And I thought if there was one place he took a step back and it was there, much more than rim protection. I thought the rim protection was largely a product of of scheme and just not being challenged as much and, like Rich said, being a little more under control in terms of going for a foul. Increases rebounds from 15.1 per 100 to 17.4, so that's good. Turnovers, again, an improvement, but an improvement from a historical rate. So. Yeah, I think points, rebounds, like Rich, easiest over is the points. Let's go to games, 67.5. Played 63 last year, and that was after his eye socket got ob- obliterated by Markel Foltz elbow, or shoulder, I mean. I guess it's impossible to guess this one. Like, I- I'll say this. I think he's not going to sit back to back, Like, I think he's done with that. And so if that's the case as long as he doesn't get a major injury, I think he will play. I th- I think they will they they will let him play over 67 and a half games.
1: Yeah, I would take the over but I'm pretty nervous about it. Um but it's funny like every injury he's had since uh he started playing, like since his rookie year has been like an acute injury like against the Trailblazers his rookie year, he came down bad on his knee and tore his meniscus. Uh, Last year he took a shoulder to the cheekbone and shattered it. So it's not like he has displayed that he's, like, extremely fragile. He's not, like, getting stress fractures or or that type of stuff. Um, So I think he's headed in in the right direction in that sense. I'm going to take the over, but I'm very, very cautious about it.
2: If it's going to be the over, like like if I were just gambling and betting on this, I'd have to go under. Just seems more likely. Uh, but, yeah, like I agree with what Mike said. He would have played over – Or how many he played last year, Derek? 63, he Yeah, spent?
0: I think he was – yeah, so he was on pace for over.
2: So he was on pace for the over, and, you know, he's moving better. He's not moving better because it's like Mike said, his – his rookie year, he was, like, shot out of a cannon, but he looks healthier than he's been uh, since he since he started playing for the Sixers. So, yeah, like, he's not going to sit out some back-to-backs. I, I would imagine he'll tweak an ankle at some point during the season, and it might be, like, they might say, all right, we, we're playing three times over the next week and a half. Like, take those games off. Oof.
0: Uh all right, so bookmark this. Thirty-nine minutes into this season preview podcast, if he tweaks an ankle, you can all blame Rich. <laughs>
2: that's
0: that's gonna happen at some point. I mean, it's just, he's
2: just—he's again—he's a big, strong, physical man. That—that's what happens. Uh, but yeah, I you know I, I think it'll probably be, you know, in between like sixty and and seventy-two. But it, I would probably say under on that.
0: I think the distinction I'll make because predicting injury is 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 impossible especially with a human being of this size. But I think the difference is last year at this time, we felt like he probably wouldn't play 70 games by design. Like they probably didn't want him playing 70 games. And I think he throughout the season convinced them that he's okay for back-to-backs and maybe that changed. This year, I don't think they're going in with that kind of mindset. So I think that's a big distinction that I would make. So barring an injury, I expect him to play over 68 games. Um, The question is whether he'll get injured. I have no idea. I have absolutely no idea. Uh, all right, Ben Simmons. Or Actually, let's not do all of the ones that people really care about first uh, so that nobody shuts off this podcast 40 minutes into it. J.J. Redick, 15.5 points, 41.5% from three. Could he score
2: more with the bench roll?
0: So I guess the biggest question I have is what does that do to his minutes? Like, what I think w-
2: it'll knock
1: it down a little
0: bit. What are the odds he plays under 27 minutes?
1: I'd be surprised. I think he'll play at least twenty-eight.
2: Yeah, when I say knock it down, I was thinking. I think he played thirty last year. I was yep. thinking like you know one or two minutes.
0: Okay. So the only way I see him getting under on the points because he averaged like seventeen last year. I think it was the way I see him because there would be two ways. One would be if his body, you know, if if Father Time catches up with him, and I don't think we're at that stage. Like I think. From what we've seen in the preseason, he's he's moving he's moving well. He looks like JJ Redick still, despite the fact that he'll be what 34 this year, I think, or is 34 mm-hmm. already? I forget exactly when. Yeah, he's 34 already. So I don't I don't think that's going to be the cause. The cause would be if Markel Fultz plays better than expected and takes more of those minutes, takes more of those shots. And if JJ Redick takes the under on 15 and a half points because of that, I'll I'll hap- happily take it in a second. But I think 15 and a half is a low bar to set because, like you said, I don't expect him to play more than one or two minutes less than he did last year. So I would take the over.
2: How about him in uh, get, getting booed in China? Him saying it was the most polite booing yeah. he's ever dealt with. That was he I, was out of his mind in that first yes, game. He was. Was so good.
0: I think his his phrase was, "Hey, we don't like what you said, but we re- we really like the way you shoot the ball." And that was pretty spot. And like he, he said that he understood why he was getting booed. Like I think he, I think he was okay. I think he really was okay with it. Um, but the forty-one and a half percent from three, I don't like. Where are they? Where did that come from? Like he hasn't shot under forty-one and a half percent from three since 2013-14. Over the last four years, he shot forty-four percent from three point range. Like that's a pretty big step back. That seems like that would be easy money. So it makes me question why they would set it like that. I'd certainly go over on
2: that.
1: Yeah, me too. All
0: right. So we either get easy money or Vegas knows something we don't. That 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 was a weird one. That one stuck out to me. It seems like – I mean 41.5 is right on his career average, but he's gotten better throughout his career. So who knows? All right, Dario, 14.5 and 6.5. What are we expecting out of Dario Charge this year?
1: I don't know. I kind of want to take the under. I don't know. Um I think there's like I just don't know if he can be as hot as he was throughout the last 5 months of last year. Like every piece of evidence of him shooting a basketball before that suggests that he's not quite that good. Um and you know, maybe like maybe he shoots like 37% this year as opposed to 39. Um but he just had a, a ridiculous stretch. Like, he was, I think, 31% through the first, like, four, three, four weeks of the season. Yep. And then he just got red hot. Um, so, I don't know. I'm, I'm a, I am I'm, would lean towards taking the under on points there.
2: Is there an over-under for his uh, three-point percentage? Because if it would be under his total from last year, 39, I would take that. Or uh, if it was 39, I would take that.
0: I did not under. see an over-under on that, but that is a key question
2: to me that's the important number for his season you know (laughs) if if he scores 12 points or if he scores 15 eh, you know that that can come down to roll and how good Foltz is but you know like if we're just saying he's going to get the same amount of opportunities as last year his points are probably going to come down to how he shoots it from three and I I don't think I, I don't have the numbers in front of me he hasn't appeared to shoot it very well in preseason that's doesn't mean anything. Players go through cold streaks for four games. Uh, yeah, I'd I I'd probably go under on those, but again, the three-point number is what matters to me.
0: I think through, th- through the first three games, I think it was like one for ten from three. He was definitely struggling. I think he's still him and, struggling. Him and Embiid. <laughs> yeah. Like you said, four games is pretty much completely meaningless. It just happens to be the first four games and the only sample we have so far this year. I don't think he's a different three-point shooter But I do share Mike's concern that, well, have we had a chance to really let it normalize yet? And I don't in any way think Dario is going to end up being a bad shooter. Like, I think you could probably pencil him in for 37% from his career. The difference is, is he 37% or is he on that trajectory towards 40 plus, which he seemed to show at this point, you know, throughout last season. I think that's still a fair question. Um, Like, I think we haven't. As much as we would love to look at last year and say, oh, that's a new norm, I think we've learned with three-point shot that there is some variance. I do like the way he shoots the ball with, you know, a little concession that it's still a little bit flat from time to time. But the points, like you said, it comes down to a lot of opportunity. And I'm expecting Joel Embiid to score more points. I'm expecting Ben Simmons to score more points, especially if Markel Fultz works out and he's able to get some easy off-ball post-ups and mismatches. I'm expecting Markel Fultz to score more than, say, TJ or Luawu-Cavarro off the bench if he does end up coming off the bench or in similar roles alongside these guys. So I think somebody's going to end up losing some touches. And if that's Dario, I don't blame him at all, nor do I really care, nor do I really use it when evaluating him. Like you said, the key is how efficient is he in the looks that he does get? Can he approach, you know, that 39 percent? three-point percentage um and that 58 percent true shooting percentage as an off-ball role player and that to me is the key to defining his season i do worry a little bit that we could you know see dario struggle relative to what he did last year um like i it's he was really hot for the last three to four months of the season um you know we'll see we'll see it's hard did, to did you guys that see well. the Did you guys see the
2: Sixers dot com video where he uh he was answering trivia questions about China? No. So so he was sitting next to Ben, and they asked like it was like a true or false question about how long the uh the Great Wall of China was, and it's like I think it's like over ten thousand miles or something crazy. He goes uh he goes to Ben after receiving the answer, and he goes. Can you imagine building a wall from here to California? And then he's like, I would just quit. I would just be done. <laughs> like or whatever. And uh Ben was dying. He uh he's a treasure, but yeah, I, I do think he might 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 struggle a little more than he did last year.
0: And I'm not even really saying struggle. Like like I said, he might shoot thirty seven percent and that would be that would be good. It's just he was a forty two percent three point shooter, or whatever over the last couple months. That would be that would be a little bit tough. Yeah, about thirteen thousand miles. Anyway. Um <laughs> sorry, I had to I had to do some math there. Uh what was the next one? All right. Uh, I guess we'll go ahead. Um Well similar Covington twelve points. I don't that to me isn't really interesting because it's gonna come down to opportunity. And whether or not Joel and, 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 and Ben and Mark Hell take those shots.
1: Yeah, I agree. I'd probably take the over. But and he's been,
0: he's, he's been over the last four years. Mm-hmm. Um, but is he going to get the same opportunity? Like like with Dario, I care much more about his efficiency and what he does with the shots that he has and whether or not he can add even just a tiny little bit of a one- or two-dribble pull-up game so that Boston can't run him off the line so relentlessly. Um, a little
2: skeptical about that from what I've seen so far. Yeah,
0: we'll see. We'll see. They talked a good game in the offseason. We'll see if it happens. And by the way, he's, you know, 20, almost 28. Like, I don't expect him to completely remake his game and become, you know, an elite ball handler. But just a little bit of a dribble would really help.
2: I I do like how Brad, when he gets asked about this, he's like, yeah, they made him dribble. (laughs) And that was a problem. (laughs) (laughs) Just breaking it down in that, like that simple of a way is, is funny, but it's true. And if he can uh, just add a little little juice, a little, little uh, creativity, a little, little extra craft, it would be nice. But, you know, the, the good news for him is he's got a whole season to kind of workshop that. But I, I would also go over on his points.
1: All right. Can we get to the big one?
0: I'm sorry. I'm still reading about the Great Wall of China. There's some discrepancy. Okay. It doesn't matter. Okay, moving on. You guys want Ben or hell first? Well, let's go with Ben because I feel like we're going to argue about Markel the most. So Ben Simmons, 15-8-8 eight and 12.5 eight, and triple doubles. They realized their mistake from last year when they gave the over-under of .5 triple doubles, which was the easiest money, and I don't bet on sports, and they probably can't bet on I don't even know if you can bet on a team that you cover ethically, but by God, that was an easy bet. They have corrected their mistake. So 15 points, 8 rebounds, 8 assists, 12.5 triple doubles.
1: How many triple doubles did he have last year?
0: I think uh, I don't know. It was double digits, I think, but I don't remember.
1: Yeah.
2: There will be a season in the future when Simmons will threaten, and I, and I, it's gonna suck because I hated the Russell Westbrook narrative on this because I don't think getting a triple double matters. It's kind of how you get the triple double. There will be a season where he threatens the triple double every, you know. Averaging it, um, I, you know, I, I think the one where I'd go over especially is points here. I, I just think he's going to get like 17 points a game, or something mm-hmm. like that. Rebounds, like, you know, if he's playing more minutes with Fultz, Fultz is a better rebounder than Redick, you would imagine.
0: Uh, oh, he better be. Yeah,
2: yeah. yeah well, he's definitely going to be. Um, to me, that's the one that stands out. Like the other ones. You would think he'd be a better passer this year, but they're going to play him off the ball more. At least that's the plan, right? Yep. And you know, I, I do think there is a Brett mentioned kind of him playing that Blake Griffin half role where you know he's the one playing four on three, and that's you know that's an exciting proposition because he's totally overqualified to do that. I that that one is interesting to me because like it seems like at the end of the first half for that three-minute stretch in the preseason, they've been playing Ben off the ball. And, you know, you you wonder if MB just – his post-ups go up a tick too. You know, that that puts him more in the dunker spot. I'm I'm really not sure about the rest of these. Like, triple-doubles, it's a good number too. So I think the main one I would say is that his points are going to improve this year.
1: Yeah, I mean – I, I totally see what you're saying. Like being off the ball when he's just in the dunker spot, he's going to probably pick up more points than he did last year. But that probably also cuts down on his assists. Um, and if we, if we agree that, you know, in a starting, if Ben is playing heavy minutes with Fultz, Embiid, Covington, and Saric, like there's not that many rebounds up for grabs. Like I'd be surprised if he averages more than eight rebounds. Um, so, yeah, I, I think I'm with Rich. I would probably go over on points and just under on the other two. Um, and probably under on the trip dubs as well.
2: He could play better basketball with those numbers too yeah. than last year if he yeah. finds a way to be more efficient doing it.
0: No, I, I, so 12 triple doubles last year. 12.
2: All right, then I'm definitely going under on that.
0: So, I certainly agree with the points. I think playing off-ball will be a good way to get him some easy looks. I think he should get to the free-throw line more, especially playing off-ball and with the new points of emphasis and off-ball movement. Assists are going to come down to Markel, And similar to Redick, if he gets fewer than eight assists, I think it probably means Markel has had a pretty good year. And not only that he started the year in the rotation and playing big minutes with Ben, but that he ended the year. In the rotation and playing big minutes with Ben, so if he goes under there, I think it's going to be situational, and I think that's going to be an outcome I'm very happy with. Similar to assists, rebounds. If Joel Embiid just dominates the glass, and Markell comes in and he's rebounding more, like you said, than Redick or even TJ in that role, then that's going to impact Ben. It's not going to be, you know, I think I think the Sixers are real intent on letting Markell push the ball too. So I think they're going to ask him to cr- crash the glass uh, and help in transition. So I think I would – I think rebounds are probably the one I'm most skeptical of. Points are the one I'm most confident in. And uh, assists I probably just wouldn't bet because I could certainly see him just taking such a leap that even if he has a ball less, he can increase his assist total. Triple doubles, I mean, I think triple do- – I think – I would probably go over the triple doubles because if he's a more consistent scorer, and I think assists are the hardest one to get, so I'm not too concerned. It, it, it's a good number. I probably just wouldn't bet it. I probably just wouldn't bet it. He's
2: been posting up like a madman. He has in preseason too. And I think so.
0: I, I think there's been two key takeaways this preseason. One, he's he's he has some ability off the ball. And I think we're seeing that. And I think they're smart in how they try to get him into those mismatches and draw that contact. And two, he's still just not taking even mid-range jump shots. And that's disappointing. So you have one encouraging sign and one disappointing sign. Um, but we're also, I mean, four games in. I do think his free throws look better. And if he's more confident in that, then he might continue to seek out contact. Um, and that's probably my biggest concern is that not only does he not take mid-range shots, but if he goes through a struggle where he's not making his foul shots, does he then not seek out those trips to the free throw line? So
2: they ran it once in the preseason. The play I want to see more is when he is at like the he's at the four, but he's the top big and the one and, and beads at the elbow. And almost always when they pass that top big, they throw it to the, the big at the elbow. When they run just like a sneak pick and roll there with those two, I think that, that could just be frightening. Uh and I'd like to see that more because it's it's a more normal pick and roll than the snug ones they've been running.
1: Totally agree. It always catches the defense off guard because they're always expecting that pass.
2: Yep. Yeah. So
0: all right, it's a it's a minor thing, but here we go. Markel Fultz, ten point five points, four point five assists, and the key one forty four point five three pointers made. Which credit to Mike? Uh, we were discussing this about a week before the. Uh, yes. The, the odds came out, and I think you had exactly forty-four or forty-five. So, props to you. Props fits
1: I said forty-five. I'm very, like, very impressed with myself that I got that <laughs> exactly on the number of <laughs> the over/under.
0: So we'll be very impressed if you get this right when the season is all said and done. Where are you going?
1: I'm going under. Um, on what? On on th- made threes. Um, I'm not particularly confident in his form, in his willingness. I mean, if the preseason is any indication, like, I think there will be games where he comes out and he's looking for a shot, and then there will be two or three games where he's actively avoiding them. Um, I just think it's going to come and go, and I don't particularly trust that form to hit at a decent percentage. Um, So if he's taking something, like, even if he's taking two a game and he's making 29 or 30%, I think that is going to end up being less than 45 Um So, you know, I'm maybe, maybe I'm lower than most people on his shot. I just, I don't trust the, the form from a catch-and-shoot standpoint. Like, if you just look at it objectively and you completely forget that he was ever a good shooter from out there, like, the form looks like a little bit like DeLon Wright. Like, it's not... <laughs> It's not good it's not good at all um so i'm I'm going under, and uh points I would probably go under as well, but just barely like I think he'll find some ways to score. I don't think he'll be completely um completely helpless from that standpoint, but you know at the end of the day like i like I just wrote his preview and I went back and watched a little bit of him from Washington, and it's just like you're reminded that he was just a walking bucket back then and he would take shots like insanely high difficulty shots from tight windows guys draped all over him and like nail it over them with his high release. And it's just not bad at all. Like he's, he doesn't have that at all right now. Like you're happy if he shoots when he's wide open and now, and back then it was like guys draped all over him. No problem. He's going to launch it. Um, it's a completely different player. And that's what I tried to stress in his preview is that it's just, it's completely different. Um,
0: Would you so, say that it is completely different?
1: <laughs> have I said that? Did I say that once, once or twice? twice? But uh yeah, I'm going under on points. Assists, I'm really not sure. Um, probably over, but I'm also, I'm under on made threes.
2: So I'm looking at his per 36 from last year. 14.2 points per game, seven and a half assists, and six rebounds. So I I think in terms of points and –
0: So I guess let's start this off with a a baseline. What are we expecting him minutes-wise?
2: That's a great question. (laughs) How is he playing? (laughs) That's (laughs) – Uh, I think I think I think if he's not playing that well, it'll probably be around they'll still play him. And it'll probably be twenty ish, you know, maybe a little higher. But if he's
0: playing reasonable
2: I think it'll be closer to thirty, you know. I think it's like twenty to twenty eight, maybe, is kind of the Okay the range I'm thinking. So if he plays well and or, you know, plays well enough to get those twenty eight minutes. Points and assists seem like a decent bet for over because he, he, you know, he wasn't even close to like what he was at Washington last year, and he still found a way, you know, per minute to get above those numbers. The the 44-and-a-half three-pointers is interesting because two games ago against the Magic, to me that night it was like, oh, I think he can get there. It won't be great, you know. It could be around thirty percent or whatever. But he took enough threes, and yeah, they they didn't look great, but good enough to go in on wide open shots. Said so he could have made one every two games. I, I could have seen that. But you know, the the inconsistent form combined with the reluctance to shoot, I think you have to go under there. Um, I th- points and assists are. Uh, it, Assists over, that's the one that I think is going to get there. I think he's going to find a way, you know, regardless if the the spacing is cramped, he he will find a way to get five assists per game at least. Points is kind of – that's the one I'm not as confident about. So I'll say the best bets for me are the under on the three-pointers made, and I'll go over on assists.
0: So if you look at his per-minute stats from last year and – Project them at the 25 minutes per game. He would have had 9.9 points and 5.3 assists. Now, I, ex- regardless of any skepticism I have over whether he's ready, I expect him to. And that was projected out to 25 minutes. I don't remember if I said that. And as much skepticism as I have, I expect him to be better than he was last year. Certainly scoring the ball. So the 10.5 points seems as long as he's playing well enough to. You know, earn 25 minutes per game. That seems pretty easy. And the assists, you know, I think he came out and he probably took care of the ball better than expected. But I don't think he, you know, he got 3.8 assists and he didn't, you know, he did that really without attacking. So if he is confident enough where he's driving, he's going to have the ball in his hand. I think the, the assists are even easier, an, an even easier bet than the points. The one that I think is, we all agree on is the most interesting are the three pointers made. Now, if he takes two per game, plays all 82 games, and makes them at a 30% clip, that is a, that's 49 on the season. I think it's very few players play 82 games. And if you're going to tell me, you know, he averaged five attempts per game at Washington from three. I think as Mike said, I'm, I'm not sure if he said this, but I think Mike said that it, it's not the same. We're not talking about the same thing. <laughs> but not only did he make those you know, 2.13s per game at a 41% clip at Washington, you know, he shot like 46% on two-point jump shots. And they were ridiculously tough, tough jump shots. So that we're talk, sitting here talking about whether or not he's going to take two per game, it it does kind of underscore... What were you know how unexpected this was to go back to Mike's point that he made eight times
1: it's different it's different Did we say that,
0: yeah, it's different um two per game seems like a lot to me right now, and it's it's, it's so hard to say it's hard to say because we you know we have one game that was great, and by great, we mean he took three real legitimate three point attempts, and then the other games were they weren't great so if we're talking about averaging two attempts per game, I'm just not 100%. I I, I just I, – I certainly wouldn't bet this, and I could see more scenarios playing out where the under comes into play than the over. That being said, you know, if you're wondering what Vegas is looking at, they could be baking in some improvement throughout the season, both in his confidence and in his form. So is there a path where he gets over forty four and a half three 3 points? Absolutely. But I think I see more paths where he goes under that.
1: That's the interesting thing is the improvement aspect of it. Like when you think about where he was a year ago, like if the difference between him now and six months ago is the same difference between him now and him six months from now, that's really good. Like he's on, he'd be on a good path. I mean, just, it's just like, who knows what will happen in the next six months. But, you know, I think we all are guilty of kind of viewing this moment right now is like the final, the final version of him, uh, in some way or another. But, you know, I think you do have to allow for the possibility of some improvement. Like I said, him now and him a year ago is very different. He's gotten a lot better. He actually has a, a functional jump shot that he can use, he can shoot. Um, and if that rate of improvement continues, that's encouraging, but it's just who knows what'll happen.
0: I think this is the most hot-button topic in Sixers land. And, you know, fans want to support players on their team. I get that. Fans, it's much more fun to have a positive outlook. But I think anybody who thinks they're confident in what they're going to get, good or bad, like if you're going to tell me Markelle Fultz sucks this year, I'm going to say you're being ridiculous. If you're going to say you have no concern over Markelle Fultz, I'm just going to say you're probably being ridiculous. Like, I think certainty right now is you're fooling yourself, and fans can kind of be in a position where they can do that. You know, I think we as analysts and as prognosticators, I think you have to kind of take both sides into account. And it would—it's just—it's—it's it's silly to think that you know what's going to play out. It, re- it really is. It's—it's it's the ultimate. And somebody got on me on Nate Duncan's podcast because I was hedging, and it's like that's what uncertainty is like it's 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 I'm not gonna project a false sense of confidence or a false sense of negativity. I think both of them we can get trapped into as media and fans. I don't think either serves you well. I just don't know, and I think that's the only real way to take
2: it. It's okay to say I don't know. I uh,
0: have no fucking idea, no idea, not at all.
1: well, I'm dead certain that he's Evan Turner, oh God, no, I'm just kidding.
0: I
2: so I said that in one of our chats. Somebody was like, "Is there a player who kind of is like a thirty percent three point shooter who's like decent from the mid range?" And I was just like, "Well, like I don't know, like Evan Turner is the one who comes to mind right away for me there." And then it's like, "Oh, don't say that."
0: <laughs> the, the, yeah, problem, I've the problem, out that
1: problem name is, a couple
0: times too. well, Spike threw it out on the on on his podcast as well. The problem is in Sixers land you either believe he's Evan Turner or you believe he's Dwayne Wade. And it's like, there's probably a middle ground here. And that's probably the most likely path that we're going to exist in. Just see it play out. We'll see it play out. I don't know. Yeah. I have no fucking idea. I don't know.
1: I When I said, I said Evan Turner in a chat too, like a couple months ago. And I, I don't know. I think that's like kind of where a lot of people are. Like if he doesn't improve at all in his shot, like, if this is him forever right now, like, he is kind of just, like, a slipperier Evan Turner.
0: I, a slipperier, he, more athletic. Yeah. Well, like, more talented. It, like, I think he's a better prospect than Evan Turner. Like, Evan Turner, it, his freshman and sophomore year was nothing. Like, he was nothing to write home about. Um. So, for Markell to have that kind of success as a freshman, I think he's got more physical tools than Turner. Like, I expect him to be better than Evan Turner. I do. But I yeah, think some it, of the you, some, some of the same limitations would apply, though.
2: When you say Evan Turner, first off, Mike, you said slipperier, which is like mm-hmm. that's an important thing. Right. Evan really had trouble getting all the way to the rim, despite being a really good ball handler. By the way, uh, he was always underrated at that, but just didn't quite have the, the quicks to, to get all the way to the rim consistently. Uh, that's one thing. And number two, it's like, well, I'm not saying that this is going to be like. Let's say he does shoot 30% from from uh, from three or like high 20s or whatever, and has like a workable mid ranger. There is, you know, I, I could be talked into that improving over time too, you know, so, but honestly, if they got that from him this year, I wouldn't say it's like a terrible outcome. Yeah. Because maybe. of the, because of the belief, maybe another year with Hamlin, they can, they can bump that up a little bit more too.
1: Again, That's though, it's so like, who the,
2: who the fuck knows? Nope. <laughs> because no. there's
1: no precedent there's no precedent for this sort of thing like you don't see anybody lose their jump shot and you're like alright it takes a year to get back like you just don't know and and you don't know if maybe you get stuck at a certain point of recovery and you never fully recover who the hell knows
0: I certainly don't uh, but anything else we want to get off of our chest before the season starts
2: yeah take take the Knicks under whatever that is <laughs>
0: Guessing that number isn't very high, but I haven't actually taken the time to look into that. Um, good that they're getting this thing started in Boston. Like, it will be nice to get playing against that team and against that fan base. We'll hear a few shoot-a-three cowards while you're up there. But uh Oof. Markell's
2: going to get it, too. Yeah, he is. Yeah. Yeah,
0: if, if people would thought be, if people thought that uh, Cuban getting on him was the only time that's going to happen this year, I think you're I think you're mistaken.
2: It, it might it's be that. really good for his confidence to just play well in that game. Like that game could actually be really important for his psyche. I'm i uh, I'm very excited for that game, even though you know it's one of eighty two and whatever. Like there's going to be some juice on opening night.
0: And it's probably the time of year you want to meet the Celtics too. Like there's probably some feeling out process they have to do. Integrating all those guys back. And if you're going to have to play Boston in Boston, getting it out of the way very early is not the worst in the
1: world. Don't they play all the Celtics games uh, before? Like, Isn't the last time they play them like February or something like that? Which is kind of weird. Like both teams could – like you could – Sixers could get a, somebody on the buyout market and like they could be different teams by the time they meet in the playoffs.
2: Uh, I don't know. I don't know exactly. I know it's the two games in Boston are opening night and Christmas. So, you know, there's two more after that in Philly, but we will see.
0: Well, we got to end this podcast on real interesting back and forth. Uh, last game against Boston is in March. Okay. So they have the one on, on Christmas um, and then one in mid-February right before the All-Star break and then one in March. So it's, it's spread out.
2: Alright, I gotta go to the
0: bathroom. Come on. <laughs> Alright, well thank you guys for holding it this entire time. You can go ahead and drop off. I do have one quick comment about the Sixers trademarking trust, the process, a couple of weeks ago. You know, I think all I'll say is this. This isn't yours. This never was yours, and while maybe it now is legally, this never will be yours. This was unique. This was a group of fans bonding together through their belief in a controversial, but sound team building strategy. This was a response by fans to combat the constant debates they received from local and national media. This was a belief that they'd be willing to sacrifice good for the chance at something they've never had before. This happened organically. And I get that you want to swoop in and make money off the movement. You really had nothing to do with popularizing. But let's be real. We all know it's disingenuous. This is not something you believe in. People will argue that with Brian gone, the organization can now trust the process and embrace their past. But that's not true. The team's desire to separate itself from the rebuild goes well above and beyond Brian. And I'm not just talking about what we know on background, although that certainly supports that conclusion, but even just going off of public statements, the owner called the rebuild a quote-unquote science experiment just a couple of months ago. The CEO came up with the process to progress hashtag, which she used publicly on Twitter, not to mention what happened in spring 2016. So trademark it, capitalize on it, but this will always be about the fans. And if Scott or Josh would like to debate me on that, you know I'm writing a book about the rebuild. You know I'm willing to get your side of the story. Sit down and tell me why I'm wrong. But I have my doubts over whether or not the team really wants to embrace that period of the rebuild. Instead, what they'd like to do is profit off of it, which you are legally allowed to do. But again, we all know this movement was about the fans, and you can never take that away from them. And with that, off to Boston.